Hello and welcome back to In and Out the Locker Room presented by Capital Championship Wrestling. I'm Alyssa Marino, pro wrestling commentator and host of Let's Get Serial. She is the host of a wrestling gal podcast and CCW commentator, Ella J. And of course, we're joined today by a gem of a guest. She is one of the newest CCW stars competing in the CCW Network Championship Gauntlet. Please welcome la creme de la creme, Ashley D'Amboise. Merci. That's <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> Ashley, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm doing well. Chilling. <laughs> George is a rainy day, so can't complain when it's calm. Calm is good. Calm is good. But at the time of this recording, you are preparing to be making your championship or capital championship wrestling debut. So we're thrilled to be able to chat with you and get to learn a little bit more you have had just a whirlwind of achievements over the last 12 months from making your pro wrestling debut on AEW Dark to winning your first championship. You're now coming up on the end of your rookie year. So, you know, let's begin at the beginning. Your first official match was on a huge stage. So what does it feel like to be able to stay centered and calm in the midst of what I'm sure can feel like a very super high pressure situation? Yes, to all of the above super high pressure situation. Um, <laughs> a lot of what I did before I got into wrestling has been my rock and my platform. Uh, everyone's journey is so different. And I believe that mine happened in this way so that I could survive <laughs> the terrain that I'm going through now. I also have a really great uh, friend group and family support system. It, it helps when your parents are on board to help you get through this. And when you have friends that are connected that you can trust and also completely disconnected from the wrestling industry as a whole where you can just like vent about everything and not worry about someone getting offended they have no idea who even sometimes when I mention like oh I'm going on the Chris Jericho cruise who's that I'm like what (laughs) never mind let's talk about anything else Mm -hmm. like so um just great support systems and then having like a solid self-care routine is what has helped me stay grounded through this I mean, you have definitely taken the seriousness and dedication to your craft and everything that you do, even packing up and moving to Georgia to train at the Nightmare Factory. And of course, I've talked about with you about taking those big leaps that just felt right, because as your tattoo says, fortune certainly does favor the bold. So how do you think that you've maybe learned to trust your intuition, especially when it comes to making huge changes like pursuing opportunities and making major decisions like re? like relocating, for example, taking quiet space, thinking, not thinking, being open (laughs) to allowing yourself to feel what feels like a worthy risk and what feels just dumb. Cause it took a lot of being just dumb (laughs) to learn what is actually my inner voice and what is actually just other people's voices in my head, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you should be afraid of. Sometimes you have to pull back and just kind of go, oh, is this a risk that like just becoming more in tune with my intuition and and feeling like if it's something I want to do or if it's something I feel someone's putting on me and and moving to Georgia was an opportunity, a window that opened up that uh, it rubbed some people the wrong way. But I learned my favorite quote right now. in the last couple of things that have happened to me is don't block your blessings. So like if something's happening that maybe seems too good to be true, but there's no reason why it shouldn't be true. 
sometimes self-sabotage comes into play and you're like, I don't deserve that. Or like, Oh, like I'm not allowed to do that because I'm only, I've only have this much knowledge or experience, whatever. But if, if it's coming to you, I'm learning to just go with it and trust like an old quote of favorite of mine is jump and let your wings form on the way down. So I've been doing a lot of jumping and forming in motion as things are happening. And one thing I'm glad that you brought it up because we were going to ask about your recent favorite quotes. So I'm glad that you brought that up because (laughs) I was even listening on a wrestling gal podcast. You shared, you know, some favorite quotes. You are the queen of the quotes. I just have to say that you have some really good ones. Um, you guys bring it out of me. I don't talk about my quotes with people. <laughs> it's, it's Ella and you. <laughs> we're, we're glad that this can be a welcome space for quotes. Um, and you mentioned too about kind of taking out a lot of like the, the chatter that, that you get from, uh, from other people. And, and recently, I want to kind of take it into social media. You shared a tweet that said, cheers to the newer women in wrestling right now who are staying focused, navigating and rerouting on their grind, not letting negative voices, tweets, or posts dim their light. Keep going, mama. You can do hard things. The world needs what you have in store for it. And that I think was so inspiring for you to express these kind and encouraging words, especially on social media. So throughout your journey in pro wrestling so far, what's been the best advice or words of wisdom that you have heard and who did they come from? When you bring up that tweet specifically, I don't like to post very personal things or like, I'm going to be on a soapbox and motivate someone. Like it happened very organically through a conversation that kept building with someone that I, I took a, a deep caring for in the industry that she is younger than me. She's newer than me. And she's not the only one, but it just like, it got to a boiling point where I was like, I need to say something like you, if this is where you feel like you need to be, if this is what you want to do, you need to stay focused, put your blinders on. And, and the, the quote that kept coming into mind for me was from, and this is what helped me get through hard things is Glennon Doyle's book called untamed. And a lot of times, especially as a woman, like you feel like you need to be a certain way. And if you are too free spirited, outgoing, talkative and nice to people where you could be perceived the wrong way, but do it anyway, because if you don't, you're allowing yourself to be tamed by the box of what people are comfortable seeing you as. If you're too much of this, this person's going to get uncomfortable. Who gives? If it feels right to you, do it. If you get an opportunity that maybe you didn't do the best that you did, but you're proud of what you did and someone else says something to get on you, I want us all to be able to be like, I'm proud of myself. I got here. I might not have been as good as you wanted that person to be in that position, but I got that opportunity and I did my best. So like in the book Untamed, she talks about like how she had to break out of molds that she put herself in. And she never, it took until she had her own kids to realize a lot of this. And with her daughter, she had a conversation with her and the line was, we can do hard things. And it's so simple, but I cried when I read it. I was like, I can do hard things. And it doesn't have to be some complicated motivational. It's just, you can do hard. And then that's it. That's the bottom line. It's hard. And you're going to do it anyway. Cause it's worth it. Cause if it was easy, you wouldn't want it anyway. So like, just I was just so like to this where I was like, I got to post something for anyone else who like is feeling like people are just trying to tame them and put them in a box because 
of what they feel that person deserves. You don't know what I deserve. You don't know what my destiny is. I'm sorry, but that's, that's the quote that has helped me get through a lot of this where it's like, I can do hard things and it sucks and I will cry as much as I need to cry and I will let it go on my own like pillow. But then like when I get out there and I'm looking people in the face and I'm doing podcast interviews or whatever, it's like, I can do hard things and I know it's worth it. (laughs) Chills. I can't wait for your book to come out. (laughs) Exactly. Like, honestly, Ashley, like, I, I mean, whatever, this wasn't planned, but have you honestly thought about being like a motivational speaker? Like, honestly, you have like such a wealth of knowledge and like, like the energy and like the charisma for it, I think you'd be very successful or even writing a book like Alyssa suggested. I appreciate that. I have, I just had a conversation with my friend. I have, I, my support system is so beautiful that I, I get a lot of how I feel and my strength from them. So I was just having a conversation with a friend from my childhood where like I was having a hard spot. I was having a moment where I was like, this is where I'm at. And they spoke to me in a way where I just was like, you need to be a motivational speaker. I feel like a lot of my friends need to be motivational speakers. And I'm just kind of a a mirror of that. But there have been jokes that I need to write my own book because I feel like I've lived so many lives. They're like, wait, you did what? When? Okay. Which lifetime was this in? (laughs) Like, I don't know. Time doesn't make sense. (laughs) This is very true. Yeah. It's, it's very true though, too. And it's like putting those words out on social media for you. And I mean, I know for you, you even shared a post before you started wrestling, where you talked about some of the negativity that came with ingesting too much social media, which we've all been through. I get it. But for (laughs) you, when you actually do have time to unplug, we were talking, you mentioned self-care earlier. How do you make time for self-care and what does that look like for you? So my favorite form of self-care is, <laughs> I have two. The first one is literally just, I found out someone thought this was gross the other day, but laying in the bathtub, just like taking a bath for like way too long, sometimes like 30 minutes until the water is not even hot anymore, but you're just like <laughs> allowing everything to relax from like the inside out, your muscles start to relax as above, so below. So once my muscles relax, everything else starts to relax. It happens vice versa. Whenever I make time to sit down and meditate, that happens too. But right now I'm finding a lot of my self-care happens when I can just (laughs) two birds with one stone meditate in the bathtub. (laughs) But then the other thing, the gym, the gym is my, like, sometimes it's like, Oh, all this energy and effort to get there. But then once I'm in that flow, it's like, I'm connected to myself again. I know I'm doing something great for myself. It sets me on a way where I'm like, craving to eat something healthy and then whatever I eat affects my mental state and how I think about things. Your hormones are connected to how your body ingests certain ingredients. And that's been one of the biggest things I learned in bodybuilding right now in bodybuilding for uh, my first wellness prep, my first wellness competition. So it's getting back to like unaddicting myself to sugars because I have such a sweet <laughs> and what it does to your mind when you stop eating certain things. Oh, that I'm sure has got to be very eye-opening. And it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I swear every episode of In and Out the Locker Room, somehow the concept of snacks comes up. Uh, and you know, sometimes, sometimes self-care can be treating yourself to, you know, 
treats. Uh, and maybe it's on the healthy side, maybe it's not on the healthy side, but what are some of your go-to snacks when you are going to treat yourself? Like naughty treats. <laughs> sure. I, if you, I know sure you're prepping, call so if you don't want to be tempted. <laughs> um, if we're talking savory, I'm in love with any kind of taco tacos and all the cheese. Um, when it comes to like sweets, because that's my Achilles heel is anything with peanut butter and chocolate in it. Like, yes, girl. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty much it. Like I will go for that and literally like, Oh, you guys want to go out and have a drink later? No, I'm good. You want to go out and have peanut butter Reese's cup? Mm -hmm. Like it's (laughs) like that. Like that's the same effect on my nervous system. Like I don't need alcohol. I want chocolate and a lot of it. Nutella on ice cream with sprinkles. It's got to have sprinkles. So you asked for it. (laughs) Whoa. All right. So if we're (laughs) going to throw a party, no drinks, just bring some Reese's and Ashley will be there. Noted. Okay. Be there. You don't have to go fancy. Don't right. No. (laughs) Maybe some Belgian chocolate. I'll do European chocolate. It'll be fancy. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Do you have like a preferred brand of like European? Cho- I've never, I'm, I haven't really delved into Belgian chocolate as sad as that is. Do you have like a favorite brand that you would recommend? I do not have a favorite brand, okay. but one of my girlfriends from college is Belgian, is Belgian, no, from Belgium. And she brought chocolate back one time. And I just remember it completely like melting in my mouth. I was like, this is la creme de la creme right here <laughs> before there was a creme de la creme um, <laughs> so that's uh no brand name but definitely anything from belgium i'll, I'll eat that chocolate noted okay on the <laughs> on the healthier sides of things so i mean you're talking about bodybuilding of course you do a lot of hiking rock climbing yoga wrestling and probably so much more you may not have much free time on your hands but are there any new hobbies that maybe you'd like to explore whether that be physical mental or spiritual activities if you were allotted more time per se i have not even thought about that um All I want to do is continue to watch more wrestling, study more wrestling. Um, (laughs) So I'll have to get back to you on that one. There's nothing that I've been, one thing that's in my back pocket, that's not a new, a new thing. Oh, I think I know where you're going here. I forgot. I need to follow up with you about your stunt (laughs) double stuff. (laughs) That's another thing too. I actually have not. Funny thing though, at, uh, so I work at Orange Theory right now and the new guy that's just started working at our front desk was like, do you know Brian K? And he is the guy that owns the Atlanta stunt place that I go to. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. So he's starting to train there too. And I was just like, oh, this is so funny. But of course, when I have no time left to do my stunt double trainings, because those are long hours on Mondays and Saturdays and I'm not here ever on the weekends, like yeah. And, uh, I'm blessed to be able to help out with the beginner camp at the nightmare factory. So that's taking up like my whole, my whole afternoon into the night class trainings. And then on the weekends I'm gone traveling and wrestling, but I don't have time for stunt anymore. And for the thing I was going to mention is a Vipassana one day, I'm going to take it into a, I have to get back on my regular meditation schedule, but it's 100 hours of meditation in 10 days. And it's complete silence the whole time you're on this trip. Have you heard of a Vipassana? 
No. It's, <laughs> it's complete silence. And some people cannot handle their own mind for that long without speaking out. There's like little talk breaks you can have for like literally five minutes with the leader. And then like that, just like get to hear your own voice. Cause it's weird to go so long without hearing your own voice that I think, um, first of all, a lot of people should probably experience that. <laughs> and, um, second of all, it makes you have some uh, profound realizations and coming to terms and admitting things to yourself in a space given to you to do that, that you probably wouldn't be able to do out in the normal world. So yeah, one day I'll get there. It definitely sounds intense, but I think if anyone can do it, it's someone like you who has literally lived like multiple lifetimes in one lifetime uh, <laughs> to the point that we, I don't even know if we touched on yet being a dancer. So on no, a wrestling, yeah. yeah, so on a wrestling gal podcast, you had talked about people's misconception of yoga being easy, which I think is very similar to when folks say, this is wrestling, it's not ballet, but ballet dancers are super hardcore. So when you first got into the ring to start training, how do you feel like having a dance background actually aided you in developing your skills as a wrestler? It, the, uh, the mindset of so many, oh, okay. Um, first of all, so we'll talk mentally first in dance. Dance is literally a parallel world to wrestling. I cannot stress it enough. Whenever I talk to like people who've been in the wrestling industry for a long time, I, I surprise them sometimes, I think because of the, the way I'm able to understand things and having not been in the industry for even a year yet. And like, it's pretty much the invert wrestling is a male dominated industry. And if a female gets into it, it's, oh my God, there's a female. And like, let's, let's bring her here, put her there, put her on this stage, use her in, in dance. It's female dominated. We have way too many girls in there. One time, but what, the moment a male decides that he wants to become a professional dancer, like in my experience, it's been like, oh, we don't care if he's been here for two weeks, let's get him make him learn this, that, and the other. That's all he needs to know. Put him on this stage, get him in this company, sign him over here, sign him over there, put him on tour. It's like, I've been, I've been dancing for 16 years trying to get a contract. And this guy comes in for two weeks. You like the way he looks and now he's got a contract. What? So like, I feel like I've been hearing a lot of that in the invert with like certain females in wrestling, as opposed to like men who've been watching this since they were two years old and wanting to be a wrestler for their whole lives. And then here I come walking up and I'm going to debut on AEW. What? <laughs> so with dance, the training that is involved there, like the mentality of it, it's, it hurts. It's not normal. You're not built to stand turned out with your hips externally rotated with your posture up here, with your arms barely being used and your legs being dominant, but not too dominant. You don't want to be over muscular. You want to use the right muscles. You don't want to make it look like it hurts, but it, it does. And in wrestling, it should be the complete opposite. You get punched in the face. It shouldn't hurt because you need to wrestle the next day. If they knock your teeth out, what are you going to do tomorrow? How are you going to make money? So it should look like it's killing you, but feel like nothing. And ballet is the opposite. So it was really easy to adapt of like, okay, like it not wrestling hurts, <laughs> not to say wrestling doesn't hurt, but you're allowed to express that you're allowed to make noises, which relieves tension. You're actually supposed to breathe and make noises in certain ways to, to take certain moves. And in dancing, there's breathing you need to do, but you can't, you're not supposed to hear it. 
You're not supposed to perceive it unless they're telling a story and the choreographer puts a story on you to portray for their image, for their vision. Um, when it comes to physicality, um, there's a different kind of cardio to be a dancer. You can't just go run on the treadmill and expect to do a ballet piece. With wrestling, you can't just run on the treadmill and expect to be able to roll around in the ring the same way and, and feel the same cardiovascular endurance that you would if you're locking up with someone and holding a static contraction for that long, your heart rate goes up and you barely moved out of a like sometimes 10 foot radius. You're like, what? Um, oh, sorry, 10 foot diameter. But the footwork in dance helped with my footwork and timing in wrestling and partnering bodies to bodies, understanding how bodies move in space, understanding my own proprioception in space and just adding a few elements of a bouncy platform and ropes. <laughs> So I was long-winded. Wow, though. That is so, but that's eye-opening. So many crazy parallels. Wow. Yeah. There really is. And I mean, not only are you a professional wrestler, a dancer, you're also, I would say, an adventurer. I mean, you talked to me about going on a yoga retreat to Guatemala and hiding, hiking a volcano. But if you could pick any location in the world for wrestling to take you in the future, where would it be and why? Oh my goodness. Everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I, I really want to go to Australia. It would be so cool to go to Australia for a reason. Any yoga retreat I've done has been because I want to travel and I want to have a purpose when I get there. I don't just want to go sit on the beach and get drunk. That is fun. Cool. Maybe a day like that, but like, I need a reason to, to go somewhere. I like culture. I want to learn while I'm there. Cause I get something back out of it. When, whenever you travel, anyone that I know that hasn't traveled and they, they feel like stuck in life. I'm like, get out of your bubble. And sometimes it's even a new state will get you out of your bubble, but I like to go out of the country and come back with a, such a new perspective on life makes you appreciate the life that you have more um, in, in whatever facet, even if you went somewhere really lavish, you come back and you go, Oh, I pulled this, that, and the other from being there. And then being able to, I think I said this in your podcast, Ella, uh, anything I've done in my life that I've made my profession I made sure I could have an, an element of performance in it, um, the ability to travel and the ability to be a physical. So like that adventure side, that, that wrestling side, that athletic side. And that's been the same way for, for bodybuilding. You got all three of those. You can literally travel the world competing on bodybuilding, wrestling, dance, yoga. Um, so yeah, if wrestling could take me to Australia and um, wrestle there, it'd be freaking awesome. <laughs> okay we're manifesting we're manifesting i love it and uh, and of course speaking of other countries you know from your from your name to you know different ig captions to the fleur-de-lis on your gear there's definitely a french influence about you uh so i know we tried to dabble a bit in conversation when i've seen you in person but did you grow up speaking the language so here's that story ready oh <laughs> I'm going to try to summarize it. I grew up, so I'm first generation American on my dad's side. He's French Canadian. And this is, I'm going to tie in some of my dance stuff too. Cause I was just having a conversation with someone. So it'd be cool to have it clarified. Um, my, my dad's uncle is Jacques D'Amboise and he is the first male principal ballet dancer for New York city ballet. And if you're not involved in the dance world at all, New York city ballet is like the biggest, the, the top company as a ballet dancer, at least when I was dancing um, to get into, you are completely taken care of. Whereas any other company, you would need to work at multiple ones to make that salary. But New York City Ballet, 
uh, is the, the, the standard, the Balanchine standard. So that's where the ballet comes from. And the name comes from, like, when I go for auditions in dance, people have been like, um, next up, Ashley, ja- are you related to Jacques D'Amboise? And then I go to wrestling and people are like, Ashley, what is this? It's just like, oh God, <laughs> so weird. Um, so that comes from my dad's side, the French side. And my dad was super young when he came to, he moved to Florida from Canada. So when he came to America, went to the furthest point he could away from, I call it Narnia. It's literally the coldest from Quebec. <laughs> He's like, I'm going as far south as I can. And as I was learning how to speak words, he was learning how to speak English and would use my mother and my sister and I to like get better at his English. And then uh, my mom would be like, hey, like, why don't you speak French with them instead so that they can be bilingual? And this is from my mom's perspective. Um, uh, Basically, he said, why don't you learn French and teach them French and then we can all speak French together. (laughs) So my mom never learned French. I learned words and uh, we had like these little books that we would like do like audio tapes in the car, but it was like, it's so different to like learn from a cassette in Florida versus like making it like a family language in the household. Like, I was able to learn Swedish in 10th grade because my best friend spoke Swedish and everyone in her house spoke Swedish. And I went to her house every day after school and all I did was speak Swedish. So like random fact, but I'm just like, it's so possible. And my like, little chip on my shoulder from not growing up fluent in French has made me so determined to learn any language I find interest in. Like when I traveled to Serbia, I learned some Serbian to have some conversation so that I could speak to people. When I went to Guatemala, I don't speak Spanish at all, but I made sure that in that moment, I forget very quickly, but when I was there, I spoke enough to get through and have conversations in Spanglish. So like language is a a weird talent that I, I like to keep in my back pocket and take when I travel. But um, I lost my track, my train of thought because I'm thinking about languages. So I did not grow up fluent. That was the question, right? Yes. I've been taking French classes ever since I could. Pretty much. Definitely solid. You've been involved in so many industries too and and intertwining them through your work in pro wrestling and I'm sure bodybuilding as well. But especially in those industries that are so body image centric, how do you cope with those moments of comparison or how do you shape your own positive body image, especially in pro wrestling and bodybuilding? Oh man, a lot of years staring at yourself in the mirror in a leotard. (laughs) Like I said, I feel like every path and journey, like mine was stacked in a certain way for when my past can help support what's happening now. And it all make it start, things are starting to make sense because it, I don't even look at that anymore. It used to bother me so much. I used to have to stare, uh, I would dance eight to 10 hours a day and you'd be in like a little tight fitting leotard couldn't wear a skirt because they have to see the alignment of your hips. Like your, your teachers usually look at you like a skeleton and they would prefer you to be a skeleton because then they can actually see your bones. And I'm exaggerating, but um, <laughs> I used to think that the, the best diet was uh, cigarettes, coffee, and sushi. And that's how you become a professional dancer. That's how people take you seriously by how your body looks. And then I made it into a dance company in New York city and the woman I worked for, it wasn't ballet, but it was 
ballet, bass, and modern. And she was like, Ashley, because I started showing her pictures of bodybuilding stuff that I wanted to do. And she was like, it's so little, like you're, you're going to be so like shredded. But the way she said it didn't sound as good as it does when everyone else is like, oh, you're shredded. So I was like, what? And she goes, I don't care what it looks like. I care how it moves. And she was talking about my body. So I'm like, Megan Curette, love you, Meg. She literally changed the trajectory of my mindset from there on out when it came to my body image. And it was like, how does it move? How does it function? And when I started focusing on that and like learn diving into the science, so science, bodybuilding textbook stuff is what made me fall in love and feel confident and secure in my body because I realized no matter how much I tried to fight and hate myself and not eat and binge and, and purge and all that shit, I still never looked the way I wanted. I go back to old pictures and I'm like, I don't look any thinner, but I look miserable. And I was, and then now that I have more of a control on how to get uh, consistent results by focusing on how I feel and how I function is where I actually see that my body looks and feels happy. And that's all I like care about now. I'm like, can I do the move? Okay, cool. I don't like the rolls that you see in the pictures when I twist this way, but like, Hey, I, I don't know a lot of letting go and just trusting that uh, it matters more how you move than what you look like doing it. I think that's certainly a healthier perspective to have on it is, you know, feeling happy, feeling fulfilled, feeling capable and strong. So, uh, and you know, your journey, your journey always continues. So as we mentioned earlier at the time that we're recording, we are super thrilled that you are going to be making your capital championship wrestling debut as part of the CCW family. And we want to know how you're planning to make your mark in the upcoming gauntlet match to crown the inaugural network champion. (laughs) Oh, Hmm. I have a lot of people that I am friendly with on that competition platform. So the good thing is I'm training in the nightmare factory. So a lot of the things that I've been working on now, I don't post a lot of my training anymore. If you notice that mm-hmm. I'm still training four days a week, sometimes five days a week. And none of the women that are in this match coming up are in training with me. So I have a couple of things that I'm going to be hitting. There might, might be a sneak peek somewhere posted, but I'm not talking about that. I'm basically going to (laughs) do my best work within the guidelines, the rules of the gauntlet and make the best woman win. Super excited for you for this opportunity coming up. And again, Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. And of course, we'll be linking all of your social medias down below so they can stay up to date with you. But for our audio listeners, can you please share where they can find you online? They can find me on Instagram at Ashley Damboise. Look it up if you don't know how to spell it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that wasn't a promo I just did where it's like, Google me. Um, so uh, Ashley Damboise, one word, or Twitter, Ashley underscore Damboise. Ashley, thank you again. It's been a blast chatting with you. My friends at home, be sure that you are following Ella J at It's Ella J on Twitter and checking out a Wrestling Gal podcast with new episodes every week. And you can find me at AYY underscore Marino on all the socials and on new episodes of Let's Get Serial on Saturday afternoons. So for Ashley Dumboise and Ella J, I'm Alyssa Marino, and we'll see you again soon for the next episode of CCW's In and Out the Locker Room. <laughs>